Hey, this is Rich, and you are listening to the VU Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us for VU Summer Vibes. We're spending the summer at VU with some of our VU friends and family. Today, we have one of my favorite speakers and authors, Pastor Erwin McManus from Mosaic Church in Los Angeles, California, bringing the word. Erwin is an intellectual author and great friend of VU. Let's lean in now as he brings the message. In about eight weeks, I have a new book coming out, and it's called The Genius of Jesus. Let me see that right there. And I've had the opportunity to write about 10 books in my life, and I think this is the most important book I've ever written. And I'm really excited about it. I'm a little nervous because writing about Jesus terrifies me. But I think it's going to be an entirely new perspective and way of seeing Jesus, a book that a person who doesn't believe in God will be drawn to, a person who's searching for God, and then a person who already believes in Jesus. And, and it's, it's both about the phenomena of Jesus and the phenomenon of genius. And then I know a lot of guys tell me, like, I don't read. And uh, about 86% of books, I think, are, are purchased by women. And so here, here's what I'm going to do for you. Like, if you don't read, I will read it to you every night, okay? And uh, on, on Audible, you have to buy it. It's not going to get creepy. But uh, I'm about to read the whole book. And it's, I just want to encourage you guys, if you would, uh, get the word out and, uh, and just spread it. Because I, I just think we need to help people see Jesus in a new, fresh, and beautiful way. And so I'm excited about that. And by the way, these announcements, uh, my son Aaron typed in here right before I, I, I walked up. And, oh, and then we have a new podcast coming out called The Genius Of, where I am kind of cashing in on all these friendships I have and uh, with all these geniuses. And we take an hour and do the origin story because every superhero has an origin story. And so rather than just having them teach us things they've learned, I wanted us to kind of get inside of their life and see how they, how they developed and formed as a human being. So I'm really excited about that. And, uh, and I think that's everything other than just thanking Rich and DC for inviting me and, and uh, allowing me to be a part of what you guys are doing. Wow, this is far. Because <laughs> I remember you're in Wynwood, but I grew up in Miami, so um, it's kind of cool just to see you guys infiltrating the whole city, and you're going to become like a, a life vacuum cleaner everywhere you move and, and relocate, and uh, you're just going to draw more and more people who might have never entered into this community of faith. And so it's exciting that you're here now. People's lives are going to be changed forever because of this space. And All right. So I want to take a few minutes and just talk to you about, about the genius of Jesus, actually. Because I've always been intrigued by, by the whole concept of genius, even when I was young. And I think some of it is because I was such a, an underachiever. They, they tell us that we spend our lives kind of compensating for what we don't have. So I spent my entire life studying genius and trying to really understand what makes those individuals who somehow rise above uh, the, the, the norm of human expression, whether it's Mozart or, or Picasso or, or Einstein or Bansky or Jay-Z, you, you, you watch these people and you think, how in the world did they do that? And then sometimes it, it, it becomes um, discouraging going, why can't I do something like that? And then other times it can be encouraging and we think, well, if they could do that, maybe there's something unique I could do. But I don't know if you ever walked into the Nike store and there's this, there's this big quote on the wall. It says, if you have a body, you're an athlete. Have you ever seen that? I've looked at that. I thought, kind of. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I'm inspired. But then 
you don't have my body, so you don't really know what it's like, you know. And 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 I think sometimes we, we love these statements that that are, that you know declare greatness in us, right? But it's hard when when we don't actually live out that greatness or seem to demonstrate that greatness or seem to actually contain that greatness within us. And so a lot of times when I hear statements like that, I always have this disclaimer. Yes, if you have a body, you're an athlete. But if you have a body, that doesn't mean you're an Olympian. And so right now we have the Tokyo Olympics taking place and I'm watching people do things I know my body is not capable of. And then I was at the one hotel yesterday and I'm working out in the gym. Yes, even when you're 63, you still try to stay healthy. And, and I saw on the wall, it said, if it's humanly possible, I can do it. <laughs> Don't put so much pressure on me. It's like, it's like what, do you, what do you mean? If it's humanly possible, I can do it. No, no, if it's humanly possible, a human can do it. But not necessarily me. And so I think one of the most frustrating things in life is when someone tries to speak something into you that isn't really real to you. But sometimes we have spoken out of us things that are real to us. So I started doing all this research for probably the last 40 years under on, on the whole phenomenon of human genius and wondering, is there genius inside of everyone or is it just a rare expression of human brilliance and capacity and talent? And then I noticed something really odd. On every list I'd, I'd ever seen, Jesus was never on any list. I thought, wait a minute, how come Jesus isn't on a single list of geniuses? I, I mean, when you think of genius, you might think of Stephen Hawking's or Albert Einstein or Pablo Picasso, or you might think of Beethoven or Mozart. Or, there, there, there's so many people. I mean, for me, my iconic genius was always Leonardo da Vinci. You just clearly a genius. Beyonce, a genius, right? And, and there are people you think that person has genius and it's undeniable. And I would see Gandhi on lists. I even saw Mohammed on lists. I would see Mandela on lists. But I would never see Jesus on a list. So I started asking the question, was Jesus a genius? And, and what I do sometimes, and I'm not sure why, but I have conversations with myself and because I'm inherently a lonely person. And, and so I, I have these conversations with myself with my believing self and my unbelieving self. I don't know if you ever do things like that. And, and so it's, these are really great conversations because my unbelieving self is very cynical and skeptical and, and questions everything. And my believing self is very caring and compassionate and tries to help me along the way. And, and one day I had this thought. One, I cannot believe that my entire life revolves around this person who lived 2,000 years ago. I mean, if you think about that, that's kind of a crazy thing. Right? You're here, and you did not stay in bed because of someone who lived 2,000 years ago. And his name was Jesus. I mean, think about that. That's kind of odd. I know it seems normal to you, but it's really, really weird. And so I was sitting there thinking to myself, oh, it's, I can't believe my entire life revolves around this person named Jesus. And then I had this moment. I thought, well, what about if Jesus isn't really God. And, 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 and I surprised myself having that conversation with myself because I don't know what I'm going to say. And, and, and then I had this thought, wow, if, if Jesus isn't God, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus has changed my life. So that's really weird. So I have this thought that either I've been changed by Jesus who is God, or I've been changed by the idea of Jesus. I thought, how strange that a person could be changed by an idea. 
So that, that's almost more phenomenal. Because if Jesus doesn't exist, then for 2,000 years, people have elevated and become the best version of themselves, become more human because of an idea called Jesus. Now, I want to be really, really clear. I think Jesus, in fact, I know Jesus is more than idea because an idea did not change my life. But Jesus changed my life. But, but, but here's what's really amazing. Jesus has never been seen as a genius. And I think a huge part of that is because it's, it's, his, it's, it's, it's his genre. See, Mozart, you go, he's a genius because it's music. And Picasso, he's a genius because his genre is, is art. You, you, you have Einstein, he's clearly genius because it's physics. Yeah, then you have Jesus, and, and you go, well, what, what exactly is this arena of genius? It's because Jesus expressed his genius in the domain of being human. And, and sometimes we miss this because... You know, we know we, we should get better at math and we'd love to be great artists or great painters or great designers. We, we'd love to have so much of the genius that's out there, but we don't realize the genius we really need is the genius of how to be truly, beautifully, and fully human. But then there's a problem with, with genius. It's not really transferable, right? I mean, if you spent your life around Mozart, you would not become a musician, if you spent your life around Picasso, you would not become a painter. If you spent your life around Steph Curry, you would not become a three-point shooter. If you spent your life around a genius, their genius would not be transferable to you. But here's the amazing thing. The genius of Jesus is transferable. In fact, in fact, not only is this genius transferable, he came here to place within you, to put within you his genius. And even beyond that, the moment you were born, when you took your first breath, the moment you came into existence in your genetic code was the image of God, that the genius of God was already embedded into you the moment you were created. So you're like, wait a minute, okay, then why am I so stupid? Where is the genius if there's all that genius inside of me? So I want to just take a few minutes and just talk about, first of all, understanding who you are. Because you'll never live the life you're created to live if you don't understand not only who you are, but what you are. There's this incredible study by this guy named George Land. In 1968, he was assigned the task of finding the most creative, brilliant people in the world that would work for NASA. So he created a genius test so that he could find geniuses that would get us to the moon and get us to Mars and get us out into space and prepare us for colonization of other planets. I mean, ask Elon Musk. One day there will be condos on Mars, probably timeshares. And what he discovered was when he did this assessment that there was a unique relationship between genius and human development. See, he began tracking children using the exact same assessment that he used for NASA and he gave it to children who were at the age of five. And 98% of the children at the age of five tested out as geniuses. 
Think about that. 98% of the children tested out as geniuses, but those same children, they tracked them over a decade. When they were 10 years old, only 30% of them tracked as geniuses. And then when the 10 years had passed, when they were 15 years old, only 12% of them tested as geniuses. And by the time they became adults, only 2% tested out as geniuses. So what George Land discovered was that human beings are intrinsically brilliant. That human beings are intrinsically creative. That there is genius inherently inside of every human being. That genius isn't something necessarily that needs to be, quote, developed. It needs to be protected. That there's genius inside of every human being. Now what that tells me is that it's correlating with what the scriptures say about the image of God existing inside of every single human being. So you are designed and created to reflect the genius of God. There is something brilliant, something extraordinary, something beautiful inside of you that was placed to come out naturally, but the process from birth to death beats the genius out of you. So then I go to the scriptures and I start listening to the passages from a fresh perspective. I want you to look at some passages with me that you've seen a thousand times and I want you to see them in a new way. In Romans chapter 12, verse two, listen to this. Paul writes, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me just stop there. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Now, what I think is interesting is when people talk about faith, when they talk about a relationship with Jesus, when they talk about what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be a Christian, a lot of times people act as if believing in God makes you a conformist. And living without God, that's when you're unique. That's when you're free. That's when you can be yourself. That's when you're really elevated. Because see, without Jesus, you can just be free to be stupid. But here what it tells us is do not conform to the pattern of this world. It's talking about mental patterns. He's actually saying that without Jesus in your life, you will actually become a conformist. You will conform to the lowest expression of being human. And if you're not careful, that pattern will close you in and trap you and suffocate you and cause you to be standardized to look just like everyone else. Says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he's telling us somehow, saying to us, look, if you don't pay attention, you're going to become just like everyone else. But if you'll actually allow God to do what he came to do in your life, you will actually have a transformation of your mind. And then you will be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And a lot of times we, we take this passage, we say, you see, you'll be able to do the right thing all the time. As if God's entire purpose is to make sure you never mess up. Well, maybe what God's trying to do is to break you out of the patterns of this world, not just so that you don't mess up, but so you can actually unleash the genius that is within you. I mean, listen. Listen to what he says in Colossians chapter three. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Well, Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. Now, I love thinking about the possibilities of what reality really is. 
that there might be multiple dimensions, that we might live in parallel universes. I just love all those ideas. I think they're kind of awesome. In another universe, I might be a great athlete. In another dimension, I might be taller. I mean, there's so many great possibilities. And what sometimes we think is that we live in this flatline thinking where what we see is what's real. But what he's actually telling us is that if you don't allow God to change your thinking, you're going to actually have the lowest level of thinking. He says, do not think about these earthly things. Do not keep your thinking at the lowest level possible, but elevate your thinking and begin to think at the level of God. See, there are different frequencies and, and, and there are frequencies that you cannot hear. And when you're living a life that is beneath your intention, you cannot hear the frequency at which God is speaking. And when you allow God to lift you up, to change you, transform you, to elevate your mind, you begin to hear God because you're now operating at his frequency. There's this whale that uh, is known as the loneliest whale in the world because it, it, it speaks at 52 hertz, but no other whale speaks at 52 hertz. Most whales speak around 40 hertz. And so whales find each other in the mass of the Pacific Atlantic Ocean because when they let out this frequency, it's heard by other whales and then they let out that frequency and they come together. But this whale, because it speaks and only hears at 52 hertz, cannot find any other whale in the world and no whale can find it. And so this whale has lived its entire existence alone. And they cannot find what, what pod or what's, what line of that species it belongs to because no one else speaks at its frequency. And I wondered how many times that's the way that Jesus feels in relationship to us. He's speaking to us at 52 hertz, but we insist on speaking at 40 hertz. And then we say, well, God doesn't speak. He just doesn't answer my prayers. He just doesn't talk to me. He's not here for me. And God's going, you need to change your frequency because I didn't design you to be down here. But to think at a whole different level. And then just one other passage here. It says, 1 Corinthians 2.16, he says, For who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But here's the phrase. But we have the mind of of Christ. Now, I would have been okay if he said, but you have the mind of Einstein. Like I would have been pretty good at, you have the mind of Stephen Hawking. I mean, that would have been a huge upgrade. But he's not actually even telling us that we've been given the mind of the greatest artist, the mind of Picasso, or the mind of Beethoven, or the mind of John Lennon, or the mind of Bansky. So you have the mind of Christ. So I don't even know all that that means. I just know that my mind in comparison to Jesus's mind is insignificant. That the full spectrum of my imagination, of my intelligence, of my capacity pales in comparison to the infinite wisdom and knowledge of God. And God is not only willing to share himself with me, that I might have a relationship with him. I mean, God could just sort of walk with us and just pat us on the head and go, it's okay. You're just my dumb child. It's okay. You're just never going to get better. But God is saying, no, I want to share my mind with you. I've placed my mind inside of you. I mean, I remember one time I was in New York. I got in the car with a bunch of guys and 
And one of them said, hey, pastor, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure. He said, is it sin to smoke? I thought that's such a weird question to ask a guest speaker. All right. And, and I thought about it for a second and I have to be completely honest. I had no idea any of them smoked. I thought none of them did. So I said, well, does everything have to be a sin? Can some things just be stupid? And it was real quiet in the car. You see, I think sometimes we want to categorize things as sin or not sin, holy or unholy. How about all the things we do that are just stupid? See, the, the dumbest things you will ever do will not cost you money. The dumbest things you will ever do will cost you people. And when he tells us that we have the mind of Christ and that we're to set our minds on things above, what's really interesting to me is he, he describes the things from above. Compassion, kindness, patience, gentleness, gratitude, love. The highest mind of God is about how we relate to each other. You see, the genius of Jesus is that he understood how it meant to be human and how to treat others in the most humane way possible. He had a genius that never allowed hate to motivate his choices. He never allowed bitterness or envy or greed to influence his decisions. See, the genius of Jesus is no matter what you did to him, he always responded to you with love. He always responded to you with compassion. He always responded to us with kindness. He always responded to us with grace. He's like, if I could just get you to think like this, it would change everything. But you keep thinking that it's an eye for an eye. I'm trying to tell you that you keep asking the question, how do I treat my enemies? I'm telling you, love your enemies. I'm telling you, do not return evil for evil. I'm telling you to forgive infinitely without limit. He's trying to elevate our way of thinking so that the genius that God has placed in us could actually be awakened within us all. But what, what, you know, what are really the limits of that genius? I, I was wondering, what, yeah, but are there any pictures in the Bible of what like, my genius capacity could be? Do you want a picture of that? I want you to go back with me to Genesis, all the way to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, and this is where Adam is there. Eve hasn't quite arrived on the scene yet. It says, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, there was no suitable partner found. Now, I know there are deeper meanings to this particular story, but I just want to focus on one. See, because I'm, I'm older than a lot of you guys. See, when I was young, there were no cell phones. I know, some of you are like, what? There were only landlines. I lived before the time of the internet. There are fewer of us. There's going to be a day where there's only a handful of people going, I remember... I remember before, and he was going, really, Grandpa? 
There was no internet. See, I, I remember when there were no home computers. I remember the first commercial. I remember the Apple commercial, the breakthrough commercial, the Orson Welles commercial. It's like, I, I remember how the world was being revolutionized. And, and I remember when you had to be able to do math. I know it's crazy. It's like, I remember when you had to remember. See, I know one phone number, mine, that's it. That's because I have to give it to places when I go to restaurants or different places, they go, what's your number? I have to give it to them. I don't even know my son's phone number. I don't know, I don't know my wife's phone number. I don't know my daughter's phone number. I don't know anyone's phone number. If I get hit by a car and have to call someone, the only person I can call is me. But, and I know this is crazy, but there was a time I remembered every number. And, and it's, be, it's because it was necessary. I used to have a memory. I used to play games. I, I used to walk into rooms, and I think sometimes there'd be 75 to 100 people I'd never met. And I would just say, tell me your name. And every, person, every single person in the room would say their name. And then I'd tell everybody to move. And I would tell them their name and put them back in the exact same spot where they were seated. You know how come I could do that? Because I'm a genius. No, because I had to use my memory. That's why, because back then I could remember. Now I can't even remember where I was seated. Because when you don't use something, you lose it. When you're unaware that you have it, you act as if it does not exist. Adam was given an assignment by God. He said, name all the animals. And Adam said, okay, I'm gonna need my laptop. Because there are more than 10 animals more than a hundred, more than a thousand. And what is, strikes me as so interesting is that not, not just that Adam was given the assignment to name all the animals, but that Adam could name all the animals and remember what he named them. And because I would be going like hippopotamus and then 10 animals later go hippopotamus. <laughs> And somebody go, you ready to use that one? And they, sure, are you sure? Okay, just Potamus. Okay, just go with Potamus. And so he's able to name all the animals. Remember what they're all called. And on top of this, how many names could you create? I mean, right now, if I just said, okay, just make up 20 names. Some of you, uh, 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 John. He, he didn't even have a limit of creativity. Nor intellect. And I keep wondering, see, this is just my brain asking the question, is this what humans look like before the fall? And it was just natural being human and being limitless in our creativity and intelligence and that things were lost along the way. And when Jesus says, I'm gonna put my mind in you, he's restoring us to our original intention. I wonder right now in your life, you ever feel like you're at a deficit? See, I don't know what your unique talent, your unique genius is. I don't know how God has uniquely created you and crafted you, but I do know this. There is the image of God in you that is supposed to be expressed in such a unique and beautiful way that it will make you unlike anyone else in the world. And it makes you inviolable 
to the story of God in human history. God placed something in you so special and he's waiting to unlock it and unleash it to the world. But the most powerful genius is not about math. It is about love. So you might be saying, oh, but I got to find my talent. I got to find my talent. I got to figure out what I'm great at. I got to figure out, maybe, maybe I missed it. Maybe it was music. Maybe it's art. Maybe it's, it's, it's science. Maybe it's botany. Maybe it's biology. Maybe I, I missed my genius, man. I'm supposed to be an interior designer. I don't know. And have you ever just been frantic going, I don't know if I missed what I'm supposed to be good at? See, I, I think most of us have that anxiety because we don't realize what we're supposed to be good at is being human. And what we do with our lives is secondary to how we live our lives. <laughs> The genius that Jesus wants to unlock in us is our humanity. I mean, think about how, what a genius Jesus is. I mean, he was 12 years old. He, he, he forgot to tell his parents where he was, which makes me really like Jesus a lot. He's at the temple. He's talking to the greatest minds in the world. These are the theologians, the philosophers, the religious leaders. And, and it says that they were confounded. They were amazed by his questions. So here he is at 12, and he's already asking the right questions. Because all of his questions were about our relationship to God and our relationship to each other. And at 12, Jesus already had more insight to what it means to be human than all the religious leaders of his time. And then when you read the story of Jesus, you really don't find Jesus sitting down trying to prove how smart he was. You don't find Jesus trying to, to, to just wow people with his genius and his brilliance. What he did is when they were trying to stone a woman caught in adultery, he just rode in the sand and said, whoever's without sin, throw the first stone. See, it was Jesus who could look at the multitudes that were considered worthless and say, you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. See, everything Jesus did, every time he expressed his genius, it was an act of compassion and love toward another human being. Well, what if we stopped worrying about all the other expressions of our genius and first began to access the genius of being beautifully human and living our lives in such a way where people could look at us and we would be proof of the love of God. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to be really practical for a second. I know I was dumber when I was younger. Like my, my wife, I've been ma married 38 years and my wife would say to me, what happened to you? <laughs> yeah, literally. She would say, what, what happened to you? I said, what do you mean? She goes, you're just not who I married. I'm going, thank God. And, and you know what happens? Every time I gave my life to serving other people, something inside my brain opened up. See, every time... I opened up my heart, my mind opened too. And every time I stopped worrying about how unique or special I was and focused on how unique and special people were, something changed inside of me. And I want to tell you, I think most of us never step into our God-given capacity because we're so focused on ourselves rather than on others we don't realize that the genius of God was never given to you for you. And, oh, and by the way, 
The word genius is kind of a cool word. The word genius comes from the Greeks, and it comes from the same word that we get genie, like genie in a bottle, genius in a human. See, because the Greeks knew that when they saw genius in a person, it had to be a gift from the gods. And so they would describe the genie. You were not a genius. You had genius. And that genius was never for you. It was entrusted to you for others. And then, of course, throughout history, whenever we see our greatest examples of genius, they all seem a little crazy, right? And I'm just convinced that if genius is touched by madness, it is also touched by the divine. See, I think that a part of what happens inside of all of us, that there's a voice in us that says, you're created for more. You're created for more than this. Don't settle. Don't live in fear. Don't choose security and safety. Don't embrace the status quo. Don't just be like everyone else. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. And then Jesus rose from the dead because that's what God does on open Sundays. And he was walking down a road called Emmaus and a couple of guys were there and they began walking together. And, and Jesus asked them, what are you guys talking about? And they said, haven't you heard what happened in Jerusalem? And he goes, well, what happened? They said, are you the only person who doesn't know? He said, well, tell me. So they started explaining to Jesus what happened to Jesus, and, which is what most of us do with our prayer life. And we try to tell God everything he already knows. And as they're walking, it says that Jesus acted as if he was going to keep on going. They said, oh, please stay. See, that's how I know Jesus was also an artist. And he stayed with them and they talked. And, and then it says that Jesus began to open up the scriptures. And, and listen to this verse. In verse 24, 45, it says, then he opened their minds. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. See, when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, he opens your mind. He helps you to see what you could not see before, to hear what you could not hear before, to understand what you could not understand before. And, and as they were walking with Jesus, they just couldn't see it. They couldn't get it. They, they couldn't understand why and how God could possibly step into human history. How could God become a man? How could God take on flesh and blood? How could God be one of them? And then how could God be crucified? How could the source of life somehow taste death? None of it made sense at all because it was beyond them. See, it was, it was the genius of God and, and it could not be comprehended with our simple little minds. And then Jesus opened their minds. Now I want you to understand something, that, that if you're here and you're trying to make sense of God, there's a reason why it's hard. Because the genius of God is just too big for our small brains. And we're trying to make sense of, of why the creator of the universe would create us for a relationship with him. Why, why would God, if there is a God, actually love us? It's because we don't think at his level. 
See, the frequency of God is love. And everything God does has the intention of love. Everything God does is motivated by love. Everything God does is to reflect his love. And you are that object of his love. And, and we, all, we always think, okay, what's in it for you? Like, well, what's in it for God? Because we live our lives at this low frequency. So even when we do good things, a lot of times we're doing with mixed motives. So we think, okay, what's God want out of this? Well, here it is. What God wants out of this is you. He just wants you to know his love and experience him fully. And Jesus opened their minds. And what I think is the amazing thing is that God doesn't just open our hearts. He doesn't just change our lives. He actually opens our minds because he wants to prepare us to see the life he has for us. He wants to prepare you to see the person you were created to become. He wants to open your mind so he can put God-sized dreams inside of you. He wants to open your mind so he can paint on your imagination a future you could never imagine. He wants to open your mind. He wants to open your mind so that you can see people the way he sees people. He wants to open your mind so that you will see love as the most powerful force in the universe. He wants to open your mind so that you can see through the eyes of God. And it begins when you open your heart to the God who loves you, who died for you, who gave his life for you. Maybe you're here today and, and you've been thinking about it, you, you've been struggling with it, but you've never crossed the line of faith and you've never trusted Jesus with your life and you've never invited him into your life. What I like to do is I just like to lead you in a simple prayer, just one sentence. It's not everything you and God need to talk about, but it's where everything begins. So if you would just for a moment, just bow your heads with me and just close your eyes. If you're here and and you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never trusted him with your life, if you've never crossed that line of faith, but you're ready to do that today, would you pray this prayer with me right now? Jesus, I give you my life. Right now, just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. If you just prayed this prayer right now, it's the beginning of a new you. It's the beginning of a new future. Jesus, who imagined the universe and spoke it into existence, now lives within you. The most creative God now lives within you. And his creativity, his beauty, his wonder, his power wants to be unleashed in your life to create the you you never knew you could become. Would you look up just for a moment? The beautiful thing about the genius of Jesus is that he has come to place that genius within you so that you could be the person he created you to become. So you could live the life he created you to live. And when you realize, oh, it's all about love, then you've had a stroke of genius. God bless you guys. Well, 
Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from Vu and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.